Welcome to the Pete Primo Show, episode number 32, with my friend, Tony Catanza. Tony, welcome to the show. Pete, it's great to be here. Looking forward to it. This show is brought to you by my book, Sell a Million, if you haven't got it. What are you waiting for? 101 tips to help you sell more furniture and more mattresses. Also, I want to thank my friends at the Mattress Industry Network for their sponsorship. You guys do a great job for the industry, and I have enjoyed my membership. It's 100% free. If you are in the mattress industry, join this group of retailers who are helping each other succeed. Their core values are simple. Build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry. These guys come together and help each other. They share very sensitive information that will help your store be more successful. So thank you, Steve, for your sponsorship. And let's not wait another minute. I have been so excited all weekend waiting to hook back up with you, Tony. I was going to call you over the weekend, but I didn't want to because I didn't want to preempt anything we were going to do today. (laughs) Dude, you know what I've learned? I've learned that I've learned that when it is a hundred percent spontaneous, it is 10 times better. So listen, I hope that I don't embarrass you too much, but what I told Chris, this was my best hire ever. And I say that because I know it's going to grate on Nick Marcos, (laughs) whom I love and has been my partner for like 13 or 14 years. And I love him to death, but you are a rare breed. You know, when we interviewed I uh, I had a little fun with you, and uh, uh, I, I I got this idea, and I said, you know, why don't we, in an interview, make a salesperson sell? And you know, years ago, years and years after the interview, I came up with, I read this book by Chet Holmes, God Rest His Soul, the Ultimate Sales uh, Machine, and in there. He does exactly, he recommends, he has a book, he has a name for it. And a lot of people call it a behavioral interview. And, and Tony, I, I have to confess to the whole world. I have never met a, a more charismatic um, person in my life. I absolutely loved you. Um, I could see... By the way, you answer the questions, you were great at sales. I already knew that. But I just, I had to do it. And I was the best actor. I was really proud of my acting ability that day because, you know, I'm just like, I just don't feel it. And then you start just kind of leaning in and, and doing what a good salesperson would do and, and picking apart and, and trying to find something that you could, could cash and, and, you know, Tony, I have to tell you this. It wasn't even close. <laughs> we interviewed a few other guys. It wasn't It wasn't even close. So if you're one of the other guys, I'm sorry, but it wasn't close. It, it wasn't even close. And I knew I had rarefied air when the first time we as a company at White Dove, and I was the VP of sales at White Dove, we pissed you off. And your reaction to it was told me everything I needed to know about you. The first thing you said to me is, you guys didn't make the delivery to blah, blah, blah. Go, 
Yeah, I know. Do you have the goods? Yeah, I have the goods. Um, so you didn't make the delivery to my dealer? No, didn't make the delivery to your dealer. Sorry, Tony. And the thing that struck me was that there was no separation between you and your dealer. You were the good shepherd. You were there to protect your dealer and you were going to do whatever it took to make the dealer happy, including renting a truck, picking the stuff up, loading it yourself, delivering it to the customer, and then bringing it back all on a Saturday. And it didn't happen one time. So for any of you that picked up on my posts over the weekend, it didn't happen one time, guys. It happened several times. I wish I could tell you that in my time at White Dove, we only screwed up once and and Tony was there to save the day. No, no, it happened more than once. And uh, Tony, that extra effort is something that you can't teach. You know, um, our, our mutual friend, Tony Amato, he, he, he often says, you know, if someone gets to me and they haven't been taught common decency, common respect. I can't do anything with them. I, I can teach anybody how to sell a mattress, but I can't teach somebody to be kind. I can't teach somebody to have good manners. I can't. There's so many things that I can't teach. Their parents had to have taught them. So to Chinky and Bob, my hat is off to you. You've raised three awesome children, one of which I've had the privilege of working with. Um, so, Tony, what is in your DNA that it, it to to me uh, the feeling that I got from you was indignation, and you were really pissed off. You are a complete and total gentleman and a professional, but you you were pissed. I mean, it was steam was coming off the top of your head. It's like, hey, go screw up somebody else's delivery, not not my guys. No, not mine. Go pick on somebody else. So what's it in your DNA that makes that happen, dude? Well, first of all, I didn't know any better. Uh, <laughs> 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 Honestly, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So the only thing I knew to do was solve the problem. And the only way to solve the problem was get them the beds. Um, what frustrated me more than anything else was I hadn't received a call that we weren't making the delivery. I found out from the customer. I think if we can get in front of it, it's a lot easier to deal with those situations. But when the customer calls you on the back end, it, you've got no recourse but to fix the problem in any way, shape, or form. And the only way I knew how to do it was get them the bets. Well, I, I have always appreciated that and admired that about you. And yes, companies sometimes blindside reps and they blindside dealers. And it's a shame when that happens. And, you know, that kind of leads me into something I've been chomping on the whole weekend you know here we are two old veterans lots and lots of experience what can we give our dealers right now what you know they've been through a lot they've been through multiple price increases they've been through a foam shortage which we're not quite all the way through uh, you got upward pressure on steel on non-wovens. There's going to be another price increase on mattresses. Wood starting to come down, but from being completely shut down 
uh, a little over a year ago to being opened back up to find that they couldn't get goods because the workforce wasn't coming back quite as fast um, as they should have in what we anticipated. And, and now these price increases, these supply interruptions, what's your best, you know, you've worked with and, and have friends that are retailers, both small and large retailers uh, and throughout the country, because you, you've done it in the Midwest, you've done it in Florida, and now you're in Salt Lake City. So, hey, congratulations on your newest promotion. You are going to be an awesome uh, VP of sales. Uh, for Restonic in Salt Lake City, they're very blessed to have you, Tony. Um, what's your advice to dealers? I, th- I know I'm throwing a lot at you, so just start unpacking it the best you can. We'll muddle through. I think it's you focus on what you can focus on, or, or more importantly, you deal with what you can affect, right? Um, and the one thing I think that we can all affect is managing expectations, both to the retailer and helping them manage those expectations to the consumer, which is ultimately our customer. Um, yeah, I can't control price increases. I can't control what shows up on my phone truck. I can't control what steel does. But what I can control is what comes out of my mouth. And now I help them manage our goods flowing and then also help them manage the expectations to their customers, give them accurate, appropriate information so that they can put their customers, who ultimately is our customer, uh, in the right frame of mind to really accept the goods in a timely fashion or what the industry permits today is a timely fashion, I should say. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got a, a couple of dealers and uh, who don't take deliveries on Mondays. They're, they're, they're closed. Um, and, you know, during this, these, these hiccups that we've had in, in, in deliveries and, and they've been more than hiccups. That's just me trying to put the best face on it. I, I can. Um, I noticed that those dealers were more than happy to come in on their day off and to accept those deliveries. I think that our retailers have, have for the most part been exceptional. They, they really have been. I mean, there are so many times where I just, I just hit my heart was just, just breaking for these guys. And, and, and I, I finally had one retailer say to me, Sherry at Loman's Furniture, she said, Pete, please stop. She goes, you're, you're like the 10th price increase I've gotten today. Um, it, it, it's not just you. you and, and it's not just our industry. It's, it's everywhere. So she had a customer who, um, they were getting a lot of complaints. So what she wanted to do is whenever there was a sale in a store, she wanted an opportunity to talk to the customer because she wanted to personally manage the expectations. So she went over, she got introduced to the customer and basically went through through it and said, oh, you know that the, we don't have this in inventory. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm sure your salesperson told you, but I want to tell you myself that I don't know when I'm going to get this. Years ago, I could have told you it's going to be four weeks or it's going to be six weeks, but I'm telling you, I don't know when I'm going to get this. Is that okay with you, sir? Yes, ma'am. And she goes, Well, I'm very thankful that you're, you're so understanding and cooperative. 
uh, I'm, I'm just a bit confused. I thought you were going to tell me you didn't want it. I was, ma'am, I'm a roofer. And it usually takes me, um, it, it usually takes me a, a day or a few hours to pick up my shingles and to go put a roof on takes me about a half a day to a day. And it took me eight weeks to get my shingles. And then when I went to do the job, I didn't have, um, the, uh, the, the nails and I went back to get the nails and they didn't have any nails. So I sit here and I still haven't been able to complete the job. So ma'am, it's not just your industry. It's all industries. We're all, uh, we're all suffering. And, you know, I, I have some friends that have ordered pools in the last year and they have not gotten those pools. They've picked them out. They've paid for them, but they haven't gotten them and they don't know when they're going to get them. And so this is, uh, you know, uh, uncharted territory um, that, that we're in. And, you know, th there's a couple of things that kind of go off in my head and some things that I've heard retailers kind of complain to me about, Tony. And, they, you know, one is the extreme where the rep just kind of just as business as usual, just lays it out. No compassion. No, I'm sorry. No, you know, when you talk to me and I'm sure you're the same way, you can see it hurts me. You can feel it hurts me. I hate it. I despise price increases. I despise telling someone they're not going to get their delivery because I was in retail for nine years. You were in retail. That's one of the reasons that I hired you. Because you knew what it was like to be told 10 times in a row, I'm just looking. And you still found ways to make the sale, right? And so you could teach RSAs what you learned when you were in retail. It's one of the reasons I hired you in the first place. So between those two, two extremes as a, as a rep, one where you, you know, you're just matter-of-factly putting it out there or you're just sending a, an email and you're not even calling the customer, which is a whole nother subject. Um, <clears throat> what do you recommend to reps and handling retailers in this sensitive time? Well, I, I agree with you. I, I Personally, I think it's a face-to-face -face conversation. It's not an email. Um, and if at all possible, it's not even a phone call. Um, I think there's a lot to be said sitting across the desk from somebody. Um, and you, you know, I've gone as far as offering to call customers uh, to help with that and explain that it isn't the retailer's situation. Uh, it was ours as a manufacturer. We didn't ship the goods or whatever the issue was in, in dealing with it. You know, part of their angst is is really having to communicate with the customer. So again, if if I can't fix the problem, I could help resolve some of the issue with the consumer. And I think that the consumer will then feel and deal better with the manufacturer. If they're going to yell at somebody, let them yell at me. I'm okay with that. But the retailer needs to keep selling beds. And if I'm their best partner at dealing with situations, I'm going to get more sales long and short. So offer to do anything you can. It's, it's no different than getting a truck and making a delivery to the guy who got shorted, right? I'm just calling the customer and, and nipping it in the bud and, and taking the beating if it is uh, from them. Yeah. And, and I've, I've had a half a dozen phone calls with consumers. Um, I was shocked and surprised at how understanding um, they ended up doing psychotherapy with me. As a matter yeah. of fact, <laughs> please stop feeling so bad. 
Pete, you know, we understand, you know, we, we have a TV, we know what's going on in the world. We know that it's not your fault and, and we really appreciate you calling. And, and I heard that from every, everybody that I called, whether it be a young person and an old person, um, higher end stores, lower end stores to a person, we appreciate you taking the time and calling us. And, you know, I always, you know, my joke to my, and it's not a joke. I, I mean it. My joke to all my buyers is my job is to make you look good. That's my job. My job is to make you look good. And my job in broader strokes is to make my retailer look good to the retail consumer, right? Providing they haven't done anything horrible to the retail right. consumer <laughs> that they do, that they deserve otherwise, right? So, you know, I, I found that to be very effective and uh, your answer does not surprise me in, in the least bit. So listen, when it comes to advertising, what are your dealers doing? Are they holding back a little or are they going after it? I'm, I'm going to give you my two cents after, but I want to hear yours first. So it's, it's kind of a mixed bag at this point. Okay. Um, I think the, just a snapshot. Okay. The big guys are still promoting hard. They're still driving business and they'll deal with the potential risks or headaches that they have on the back end. I think the smaller guys are taking their foot off the gas pedal in fear of having to deal with a situation with a consumer that they can't solve. Um, and it's unfortunate because I do think ultimately that'll be their demise because they need to be in that consumer's eye all the time. Um, if you stop promoting, you stop driving traffic into your store, you're going to lose business ultimately and overall. And I think that's that's really what's separating the the big players in a marketplace from the little guy in the marketplace. I don't care how good they are as a, as a small independent or how well run they are. You stop driving people in your door, you're not going to make sales. You need sales to pay your bills. And the big guys are keeping to that. Yeah. Yeah. And with the little guys, it's a mixed bag. Some of the little guys are still going after it and some aren't. Um, I, I, I made the observation that the big guys seem to be faring better, and you just explained exactly why. Uh, I don't know a big guy that's taken his or her foot off of the pedal. I haven't seen it here. But as a matter of fact, they, they look at it as an opportunity. Okay, if my competitors want to ease off a little bit and want to kind of pull back a little bit, I'm going to go harder. I'm going to go harder. I'm going to grab... My customers and their customers. They have their budgets set, okay? Uh, they know they've allocated these dollars. They're going to spend those dollars come hell or high water, right? Uh, they may change how they spend those dollars based on return, but they're still going to spend the dollars. Whereas a smaller guy, when things get tight, that's one of the first things they pull is their advertising for some bizarre reason, which then exacerbates the problem and makes business get slower and dries up their cash flow, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's 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 no doubt about that. Um, I'm a big proponent in always measuring to the degree that you can your advertising expenditures and and and, and changing the mix um, to to what's working. And if the only thing that's working is handheld signs, and do a bunch of handheld signs. But for God's sake, do something because um, you know. 
the customers are still out there. Despite all the craziness that's going on, customers are still shopping for mattresses and and let it be your store that gets the business instead of the guy down the street. You know, when uh, before all this craziness happened, the way you were successful as a small retailer is you out hustled, you had a better message, you delivered a better customer experience to your customer. Those basics don't change. Um, and, and the reality is this we didn't have, other than the time when we were actually shut down, um, and most of my customers did not shut down. As an aside, um, they were open. They had their lights off. They were scared to death. Someone was going to catch them. But guess what? Their landlord wasn't going to wave a magic wand and not charge them rent. So they had to be in there and they had to be selling. And most of them were. Um, and my hat is off to them. So, but as soon as we reopened, it was like tax season from 10 years ago. And for the most part, other than a few little breaks, it's been that way until just recently, and and it's slowed down uh, quite a bit now. Uh, but still, still business is being done, and I think Tony's recommendation to to be out there and continue to advertise and continue with your message is really something that all you guys should take to heart. And if anybody is out here and you have any questions for Tony, just just holler. Um, I don't know if. Pat Leonte is tied up. He's probably doing a hundred million dollars worth of orders right now. But uh, he always, whenever he talks about best reps, he always talks about you. He just loved his experience with you, Tony. And uh, you worked extremely hard for him uh, and, and for all your dealers for that matter. It's it's funny how sometimes the bigger dealers appreciate what you do better than some of the smaller dealers. And you're doing the same exact things. And I don't know why that is, uh, but it seems to happen, uh, you know, often. And Pete, I want to go back to advertising for a second. You know, if you're... If your budget is diminished and you can't afford to be out there as you were, you know, there are still are other ways to, to do it digitally. You know, you could use Facebook as a tool to get your brand built and uh, Instagram. You could uh, start a blog. You know, there's there's other ways that you could do it that are far more cost effective that still keeps you out in the marketplace. You, you can't just give up. You've got to find a way to, to keep promoting in some way, shape or form. Yeah, that's that's uh, great advice, and I'm glad that you came up with some specifics um, there. Um, Instagram in some areas is uncharted territory. Um, you can really kind of put your footprint on that and kind of own that. And there'll be other social media that comes out. This is what I would say to you. Um, if what you're doing isn't working... Don't be afraid to try something else. But I would also go back to this. Know who your customer is. And if you don't know, the next 10 sales that you make, start asking a lot of questions about the customer. And you'll find out that there is a customer. It might break into three, four, five different avatars. But you have a customer that's attracted to your store and you need to just get more of them. The other thing is sharpen your message. You know, 
if you're not going out there with a specific message, get it from your customer, pull it out of your customer. And and listen, the customers love to talk and they love to express themselves when they're given the opportunity. So after you've made the sale and the pen is down, all the pressure is absolutely gone. Everything has been uh, consummated. Ask them a few questions about why they chose you, why they bought here. Don't be afraid to go a little bit deeper. I mean, anybody that watches watches my podcast every week, every week I tell you the same thing, go deeper, right? And I don't care if you're a retailer or, or a rep or a manufacturer, go deeper. That's where the gold is. And if you want to get to be super successful, the further in you go, the deeper you go, the more likely you are to have success. And there might be some messages out there that you're sending that you're not even aware of that you're sending. So um, be aware of be aware of that. Any thoughts on messaging? Be consistent. Be consistent. Um, that it, if you take anything out of it, you know whether it's uh, promoting price point or promoting your brand, uh, just be consistent in that. Uh, if you think about tires, you know, we're not in the market for tires every day. But when you are, the brands that come to mind are the ones who promote consistently. And you know those brands and you trust those brands. And what do you do? You start looking for them in local advertising. It's, it's no different in betting. It's a purchase that the consumer does not want to make. So just make sure you're consistent in your message to them. Let's talk about this a little bit. Maybe you can help me unpack this. And and Tony, you might have some stats that are are closer to um to it than 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 I would be able to. So when customers decide, and and whether you are a furniture store or whether you're a department store or whether you're a sleep shop, this is important. So when customers decide to go to a sleep shop, why do they go? They go for a few reasons. Number one, they go for expertise. Their presumption is that someone who sells mattresses every day knows more about mattresses. Expertise is one. The second is selection. They will assume that a furniture store doesn't have as good of a selection unless they're prompted otherwise in their advertising, okay? Um, And that's not always true. I know of a bunch of furniture stores that have sleep shops within them, right? And the smart ones advertise it that way. They, customers want a bigger selection. They want expertise. And there was a third one, and I forgot it, Tony, so you're going to have to help me. Value. That's it, value. How could I forget that? Um, they want a value, and value isn't always the lowest price. Value is, is more important. It's, uh, it's what the product does for them and the problems that it solves for them. And... After they purchase from you, do they wake up happy and do they wake up pain-free? 
or as close to it as humanly possible, given their physical conditions and, and possibly potentially emotional conditions as well, because those impact sleep as, as, as well. So whether you're a furniture store or you're a mattress store, make sure that in your advertising, you're giving them reasons that you take for granted, that you take for granted, but you got to remember something. I don't know if if the latest consumer research shows that they've they still buy in fifteen to twenty years. My gut feeling is it's probably twelve to fifteen years. Um, I, I don't know those numbers, and if you do, Tony, jump in. Um, but I will tell you this: anything that you don't buy often, you don't understand as a consumer. So if I go and I shop for groceries every three or four days or at least once a week, I know when the meat's really on sale. I know when that the oranges are really a good deal. I, I know. I, I know I know, and I'm confident, and I don't hesitate. But also, it's a lot lower dollars. But when you think about things that people like to shop for, there's a degree of expertise that they feel in it. They don't have that when it comes to mattresses. And so that's... The biggest problem today, Tony, in, in my mind, is not enough information. It's too much bad information. There's so many posers out there to Michael Magnuson's points that he makes so well so often. Um, you know, there are, there are people who are getting commissions who are posing as retail customers and they, they didn't buy a new mattress. They're pretending like they did and they're getting a commission for it. But they didn't buy a new mattress. But to the average consumer, she doesn't know that that's happening. That is a, you know, uh, that is a sin in my mind. So how do retailers combat this, Tony? Well, I, I think it's uh, part of it is, you know, the consumer, to your point, doesn't know what they're shopping for. So one of the first things they do today is they go online and they start gathering information, some good, some not so good, right? Then they come into a store and try products because believe it or not, like it or dislike it, that consumer still needs to lay down on that bed. And I understand that online business is, is a good portion of the business, but it isn't everything. The lion's share still comes to brick and mortar. So they come into that store, you need to make sure that you gain their trust, you show them the value. And quite candidly, the reason they're in that store isn't because of the brands that you carry. It's because the brand that you are and what you re represent to them, or they've had friends that have bought from you and they, or family members, and they trusted you, they trusted them and they had a great experience in your store. So make sure that that carries through. And, it, you know, you taught me a long time ago, Pete, that your job isn't to sell a bed. My job as a rep was to help teach you how to sell more beds because the more you sell, the more I'll get. And then I focused on really four different issues, right? Sagging, edge breakdown, motion transfers, and temperature regulation. 98% of the customers that come in your store are experiencing those problems specifically. If they're sweating in their bed, they could care less about the edge support story, right? So don't focus on that. Find their problem, solve their problem, find a bed that they like the feel of. My job isn't to sell you the most expensive bed. It's to sell you the best bed you could afford, okay? Uh, I, I, I've got to focus on that. And once you do that, if it's the right feel and you solve the problem at a price point that you want, you're going to close more sales. 
Now, if you do that with every brand on your floor, you're going to sell more, more beds for everybody. I want my fair share. And I think if I, I give you as a, as a rep, if I give you that confidence, you're going to tend to lean towards my product. But ultimately, I truly do want you to sell that customer the best bed for them. Because what's going to happen if you sell them a bed they don't like? They're going to come back. They don't like it. They want a comfort exchange. The worst thing in the world, if you do offer comfort exchanges, is to make a sale and not get another commission. <laughs> you're, you're killing your time. So let's focus on doing it right the first time. And that'll get that customer to be more confident in your store, I think. Yeah. And, and when you really concentrate on the outcomes for the customer, and they're truly not only happy with the end result, which is ultimately the most important thing, but I want her to be happy with the experience. I want her to be happy with the way I treated her. I want her to be happy with the education that took place. I want her to feel like she's valued. And if the experience adds to it, all the more better because that means more referrals, more five-star online reviews, and more testimonials for me, for my business, for my retail business. I'm going to switch a little bit here, buddy. I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a pick. I'm going back and forth. Should I read higher studs and studettes, or should I read? I couldn't figure out. Your number one product is you. Number one product is you. All right. So let it be said. So let it be done. It is chapter 33 for those of you who have the book. And it is page 53. Your number one product is you. Successful store. You know, you're going to laugh because I mean, you know, you, you live through me telling you this for you. But I'm also telling all of our retailers the same thing. Successful store owners understand and embrace the fact that their number one product is their own self. Therefore, they invest time and money in making this product the best it can be. In today's world, there's no room for weak personality-less, timid marketers. You must, you must understand. You 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 must understand only the strong survive. It's a little bit brutal. Sorry. Success starts with you, what you focus on, how you think, and what you do on a repeated and consistent basis. The good news is there are plenty of excellent books, courses, and people to help you develop and maximize your personal skills. And my goal with this chapter is to simply remind you of the critical importance on focusing on self-development. I'm 54 years old right now. I'm 61. I'll be 61 on August 12th. So it's an old book, but it's still true, guys. By the time this book gets finished and published, I'll be 55 years old. I listen to most of my I I uh I listen to most of my books in my van while I drive 20 to 30 hours a week. I have turned my van into a learning institution. I suggest that you find time and make time make time to further your sales, business, and market and education. When you accept the fact that like product research and development, personal research and development is equally important, you're on your way to bigger and better things. Here are a few simple ways to do this. Read, study, and most of all, implement. 
If you drive a lot, listen and implement. Have an inner circle of trusted friends, of which Tony is one of mine. Attend events with excellent speakers. Promise yourself you will always be a student. To the day I die, I will be a student and I will treasure everything that I can learn. And you should too. Promise yourself. I already said that. Always be learning. Celebrate and enjoy success. But be careful of complacency. And that's my story, Tony. What you got to say about it? Readers are leaders. Um, years ago, uh, many years ago, Pete, you took me to my first speaking event to see Brian Tracy. I forgot, um, dude. Yeah. I had uh, <laughs> never even heard of him. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, blown away by the amount of knowledge that this guy had. And I had hoped to pick up something from it. And uh, Pete, you got me started on that. It took me a number of years after that to begin reading. But I will tell you that my growth as a person, as a manager, uh, has all come from, number one, starting to listen to those that are proficient in this field of sales, number, and number two, growing myself. And it isn't, you know, can I do trigonometry? It's how do you become a, a better leader, a better person? And there's another gentleman, uh, Stuart Herr, that taught me, uh, you know, no one's going to go anywhere that you're not willing to go yourself. So you got to show them how to do it, teach them how to do it, and then let them go do it. Um, That was very helpful for me because he showed me, he let me, and then he sent me on my way. Very helpful. Well, thank you. Thank you for remembering that because my pre-Alzheimer's brain completely forgot, dude. Um, You know, obviously, this is a passion of mine. Um, My wife says I'm a professional student. And uh, I said, yeah, this professional student does pretty good. Why don't you look in your bank account? (laughs) And uh, she laughs. But uh, I, I wake up with two thoughts in mind every day. One is, thank you, Lord, for this day. And two, help me to have eyes and ears that learn something new today. And when when you put the teacher in front of me, let me recognize it. And, and, and I have to say this, uh, you know, there are opportunities every day for you to learn You do not have to learn from a Brian Tracy who has written 20-some books and who is a world-renowned speaker and who is just an absolute stud in every which way. Uh, You don't have to learn from a person. You can learn from a janitor. You know what you can learn from a janitor? How to smile at somebody. How to open a door for somebody. How to have common courtesy for somebody. You can learn. There's always a lesson to be learned. And it doesn't have to be somebody uh, in a certain position. So throughout the day, that's something that I've always been big on. Um, You know, Tony, you're, uh, uh, we were talking, I don't know, maybe a year or two ago. I was reading a book and you said it sounded good. And I said, oh, okay, cool. I'll send it to you. And, and, and I kind of went through some of my old notes and I'm like, 
uh, frustrated that Tony doesn't read as much as he should. (laughs) 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 And, and I smile and I said, he's a reader now. So that's awesome. Well, listen, uh, you know, I, I, was never on an airplane that uh, Bob Sherman was on that he did not have a book. I always remember him with a book in his hand, always reading something. And and his big thing was, it doesn't have to be self-improvement. It could just be a novel. Just make your, make your muscles in your brain work. Read something every day. And, uh, you know, I really got that. Barbara really beat us with that. In, in a good way. I, I think it's great advice to anybody. You know, you don't have to read self-improvement stuff, but you need to read something every day, preferably things that lift you up, things that motivate you, or things that intrigue you. You know, if a good novel gets gets everything going, then that's that's fantastic. Well, Pete, it's it's not just, you know, grabbing a book and reading it. We've got a lot of windshield time doing what we do. Grab a DVD, stick it in the car for the next hour. Listen to it. Uh, Audible. Yeah. Audible. Audible is my best friend. I mean, uh, it it makes your, your car a university on wheels, which is straight up Brian Tracy. Um, You know, when you, whoever you are, that's listening to this, you know, we, we, we mostly speak to business owners, but we've attracted reps and, and we get some RSAs in here. And so, you know, oftentimes I hear from an RSA, well, you know, what do I got to do to be a rep? Well, do you want to know how I did it? I'll tell you how I did it. For nine years, I worked in retail, I worked my way into becoming a sales manager. And then a general manager. But I worked for nine years in retail. And you just see there, I'm just nine years. (laughs) They want to take a pill and they want instant success. And it's just like, no, it doesn't work that way. You give from what you have. You give, just imagine yourself as a cup. You give of what you have. And uh, if your cup is not full, you've got nothing to give. If your cup is full of ideas and experiences, then you can really help your retailers grow by sharing ideas and experiences that you have at the ready to help them be more successful. So, you know, the second piece of it was. And I always laugh because I always have told you, you did it wrong. You did it the hard way. I did it the easy way. I went from retail to working for Serta Mattress Company, uh, which was a name brand. And then I had the name brand playbook. And then I was in non-branded product the rest of my career. Tony, you did it the hard way. You learned how to sell White Dove Mattress, which was hard to sell. It was hard to sell because it was unknown. Um, You made it look easy, but for most people, it would be hard. I had some great teachers, okay? If you look at, there was you guiding me, but 
my competitors were some of my best teachers. Nick Marcos, Frank Swanick, uh, these guys I butted up against and they were having success. So I know rocket scientists, what are they doing? Mimic that or find a way to make it me and I'm going to have that type of success. It may take me a little bit longer because I don't have the brand behind me, but all I did was copy them and listen to you. And I had success because of it. So if you're on a, if you're an RSA on a floor and there's a, a number one writer, see what they're doing. Find out the questions they're asking so that you could be the number one writer. And if you're out in the field, look at your comp- competition. Who's successful and who's not? Obviously, if you're, you're, you're competing against somebody that's a train wreck, make sure you know what they're doing and don't do it. But if you're competing <laughs> against somebody that's a, a viable competitor, like Nick and Frank were, learn from them, okay? And implement it into yours. Make it yours. Hundred percent. Well, listen. I remember like it was yesterday, sitting at the round table with Bill Dipple, Henry Goodman, uh, Bruce Goodman, and us asking you who the best rep was, and you go hands down Nick Marcos. And I, I mentioned a couple name brand uh, sales managers, and you go, no, Nick's better and sharper than those guys. And I'm like, okay. Got to pay attention to this dude. And I did. I finally hired him. (laughs) (laughs) I was tired of competing against the guy. Well, it's funny. You know, Nick and I used to walk into, uh, and I'll use Wayside as an example. We would walk into Wayside and somebody would call him Tony or call me Nick. You know, we're about the same height, same complexion, dark hair. Uh, He's a lot better looking than me. But uh, they would go... I'd walk in and they go, Nick, how you doing? Hey, I got a question for you. It's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm Tony. Or Nick would walk in and the reverse would happen. So uh, I think they tell us apart now. You guys have have more in common than you have different. Uh, One of the things that uh, you guys have in spades and, and you guys just think you're just being yourself and you don't understand how special it is. Um, You guys don't stop. It, it doesn't stop. At five o'clock, it doesn't stop. It, it never stops. It, if there's a problem that your retailer has and you have not solved it, it doesn't stop. It just keeps going and going and going and going until you solve it. And uh, there is a level of determination um, that people don't see that I, as uh, being Nick's partner and and being your teammate at one point in time, uh, and now being your teammate in a broader spectrum, but specifically we're in the same company together, um, that I was able to see and I was able to hear the questions and and I was able to bounce other questions off of you guys and you guys come back with more questions, which to me, that's the mark of a champion. You You never stop. As long as your customer's problem has not been solved, you're not stopping. It's it's not over. It you know it, Les Brown says it's over when I say it's over. You two are exactly identical that way. It's over when I say it's over. It's not over yet, and don't walk away from me. I'm not done talking. You know, I'm like I, I gave you everything I could think of, guys. It's got to be know, something like, else. <laughs> I get a call at eight o'clock at night. What? There's got to be something. <laughs> like, all right, 
There is, but I haven't figured it out. Um, but you guys both have that in common. And I would tell you the other thing that is uh, kind of cracks me up is when people meet you or meet Nick for the first time, they just go, wow, what a nice guy. And it's true. You're both genuinely wonderful human beings, kind-hearted, loving killers. You're absolute killers. I mean, you when it when it comes to competing, uh, I don't think that a lot of RSAs really understand what it takes. Um, and I've learned from some very good RSAs. Um, that were like you and Tony in that when you first meet them, you just see the smile and you go, oh, that's a really nice person. And then once you kind of get to know them and you've been through a couple battles with them, you realize, man, there is nobody I'd rather have in a foxhole than this dude because you know what? He just jumped on the phone to the factory. He got me the answer right away. Other reps don't do that. But this guy does that. And you and Nick both do that. I mean, if there's a problem, it's not like, okay, I'll write it down. Someday I'll get back to you. No, it's going to get handled right now. Your Both of your MOs is stop. There's a problem. We're going to handle this right now. Now, the only reason I do that isn't because I'm so wonderful and, and my heart's in the right place, even. The reason I do that is I know my limitations and I know I'll forget. So I stop everything I'm doing and I solve the problem just as a matter of my lack of organization and my, my lack of ability to follow up on it later. So I stop everything I'm doing and I do it right then. Similar to you guys, but not, not quite coming from the same place. So, Tony, I have to tell a little bit of a funny story here. So, I hire this guy. His name's Tony Catanza. And uh, he's just unbelievable. This, this guy's he's making me look like a hero. I mean, I hired several people when I was with Serta. And this guy's making me just look like an absolute hero. And I'm like, man, this is great. And then next thing I know is I'm over at his mom and dad's house. I've met his whole family. We've gone on a vacation together. Guys, any reps here that want to learn how to ingratiate yourself to your boss, call Tony Catanza. He is an absolute master. master. The hardest part of leaving White Dove was leaving Tony behind. It broke my heart. I couldn't stand it. I was like, will I still be able to come over for pasta dinners? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so guys and gals that are out there, the lessons to be learned from Tony are this. Focus. Work really hard. Put your customer first. And never stop digging for answers. And always, 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 always be curious. When I, I, I don't know how many times in a couple of years that we were together at White Dove, you asked me why. 
And sometimes I just wanted to hit you. I'm like, why does he keep asking why? You know, like, because I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I think it's more than that, Tony. I think it's you had to know. You might have thought you knew, but you wanted to be sure. And what you were doing, Tony, with each and every little thing that you went through, you were creating your own playbook. And Tony, that's kind of what I think about when I think of you. You wanted to separate yourself from the competition and you were so eager to learn. Uh, you know, it was no surprise to me when you became a super successful uh, sales manager. It, it didn't surprise me at all. And the fact that you're now in executive leadership in, 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 uh, in, in uh, uh, at Ristonic as a VP of sales uh, for Salt Lake City uh, franchise, it, it doesn't surprise me at all. It's really where you belong. Uh, you The challenge that I'm going to leave you with today is how many Tony Catanzas can you create? Now, you can't create a Tony Catanza unless the building blocks are there, unless mom and dad did a really good job. And I mean it, Chinky and Bob, you guys did a great job. Um, Congratulations to you guys. Um, So my challenge to you is to create little Tony Catanzas. Do you accept the challenge? Absolutely. They make me work less. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you could have five or six Tony Catanzas, you could sit back and uh, just kind of uh, listen. I've always said this. It's true for you. It's true for Nick. My... I never had to motivate either one of you. I, I never, ever you look back at your time with me. I never gave you a general patent speech. I've given a lot of general patent speeches to a lot of reps. But here's the funny thing is, when you have to give that speech, it's already over. It's over. If I have to give that speech to a guy or a gal, it's over. They don't have what it takes, right? What I had to do with you and with Nick both is slow you guys down, make you guys breathe, make you take a vacation, help you to relax and help you to think about things in a, in a, in a bigger way. Um, so, you know, rest is your best friend and you're, you, you have a brand, you know, you're, you have a brand that your, your company that you represent as a brand, but you yourself our brand. And and that's true whether you own a, a retail business or you are the owner of a manufacturing facility or you are a multi-bag sales rep. You have a brand and your brand has to be something really good that retailers want or you're in trouble or retail consumers want ultimately. Tony, we're going to say goodbye. What are your last words of advice for our uh, for our listeners? Have fun. They're still just puffy white rectangles, right? Nobody's dying because of a mattress. Just focus on your customers' needs, whether it's the retail consumer or the retailer. Focus on their needs and you'll be successful. Do all the blocking and tackling. There, there are no little things. That's probably the most important thing. Everything counts. 
be everything to everybody you can. Everything counts. There are no little things. I couldn't have said it better myself. And with that, I am going to say goodbye. And thank you, Tony, for taking your time. I know that uh, you're a busy guy and it's hard for you to make time for these calls. Anybody out there, you like what you heard from Tony? You want to do business with Tony? Hook him up, hook up with Tony either by phone or by email. It's right there. And this is going to be live on YouTube. Uh, It's going to be replayed. It's also going to be syndicated on all podcasts um, everywhere very soon. So um, with that, I will finally say goodbye for the third time. Goodbye. Goodbye, Thanks, buddy.